0: Please open your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Father in heaven, we thank thee for the privilege of being in your house with your word. Bless your word to our minds and our hearts. 2 Thessalonians 2 is a great New Testament chapter of Bible prophecy of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, his second coming. It also includes a prophecy about the man of sin, the son of perdition, and it tells us the proper order of those events. And the warning is very clear that there would be efforts made to deceive us from the proper order of those events. I would love to read this chapter and spend a minute, it'd still be fast, on each verse, but... Let me just point out a few things to you from this chapter. Let me read select verses and point things out to you. 2 Thessalonians 2, it's the death knell for dispensationalism and futurism. C.I. Schofield in his introduction in his study Bible, before he he begins to comment on 2 Thessalonians, declares that it's been mistranslated and it's messed up and we all need him to clarify it for us, Because the order of events is contrary to his order of events. Verse 1 I read to you. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. We know the context because that is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been described in chapter 1. Here it is stated in this first verse of the second chapter. First point I want to make. Second point. There's going to be efforts to deceive the order of Christ's coming. And so we have verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. Efforts are going to be made to lie to you about the order of future events. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the day under consideration in context, the second coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ shall not come, except there come a falling away first, That is an apostasy away from the doctrine of the apostles and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So the order is there has to be a great apostasy away from the truth, which took place in the first few centuries A.D. Then the man of sin needs to be revealed. That is the popes of Rome, which all of our fathers understood and we understand. And I hope that all of you will come to understand. That's That's the man of sin that sits in the temple of God, a church church. And professes that he is God and above God and expects to be worshiped like God. Then Jesus Christ comes. So the order is a falling away, then the man of sin revealed, then Jesus Christ returns the second time. Their order of events is we don't even, we don't, they don't even know about a great falling away. The next event's going to be the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in what they call the rapture. Then the man of sin will be revealed when he sits in some rebuilt temple in the Middle East. So they're all confused about the order. We are not, thank you, Lord. Point number three is that, I'm going to leave it. That's verse number four. It's the man of sin. He sits in the temple of God and is worshiped. I've mentioned enough. Let's come down and describe his working. The working of this man of sin. The working of the Roman Catholic Church. The reason for this passage of scripture right now is because we are going to deal with John chapter 3 and verse 5 today. And it is in the top three to five verses abused in the Bible. And the amount of heresy that comes out of a misunderstanding of John 3, 5 is legion. Mm -hmm. And it started with the Roman Catholic Church. This is what the Bible says of the Roman Catholic Church and the man of sin, the popes of Rome. Beginning at verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved from lies and error. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The point that I would like to make right here from these verses is found in verse 11, that God sends strong delusion that men should believe a lie. That idea, that concept, that Bible doctrine is rejected by most. It's totally foreign to their ears and their minds because they've never been taught this truth. But this is the truth of God's word. It couldn't be stated any plainer. It couldn't be stated any stronger. God sends strong delusion so that men would believe a lie. And so when you see and you meet and you talk to Roman Catholics and you can make no headway because they couldn't care less what the Bible says, they couldn't care less what natural reasoning says or logic says, you know that you've run into someone under strong delusion. Right. Right. The Lord sends it. Therefore we come to verse 13 where the apostle and his ministerial fellows were so thankful and gave thanks for the beloved brethren in Thessalonica. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. That sanctification of the spirit we understand to be regeneration, which prepares us to receive and believe the truth. And by being born again and believing the truth, we've been saved from the strong delusion and lies of the man of sin. And thus the apostle was felt bound by the Spirit to give thanks always to God for every convert he was able to influence for the truth because of God's grace in their lives. Verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So now we have an exhortation that in light of the great deception that has taken place about prophetic events and about the Roman Catholic Church, we need to stand fast. That means to stand fast in one place and not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. And hold the traditions. We are a traditional church. We hold to the traditions of the apostles and no one else. Apostolic tradition, which we have been taught... All by word, written word in this sense, because we didn't get to hear the Apostle Paul preach to us. I mean, by his epistles to us, we have the tradition of the Apostles. The exhortation in verse 15 being to us brethren to stand fast and hold the traditions, because there would be such efforts made to overthrow them by the lying wonders and works of Satan and the man of sin. Last of all, verse 17, comfort your hearts. Do you want some comfort this morning? Doctrinal comfort. Yes. Bible comfort. Amen. It's not just warm hugs. It's doctrinal comfort. Yes. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Let's encourage each other and comfort each other in the truth that's been revealed to us and establish ourselves in every good word and work. Let's turn and serve the living God by the grace that He's shown to us to save us from such lies. We will see those lies in John 3, 5. May the Lord bless each of you to be convicted of the great salvation he's shown towards you to see the truth and that you'll want to hold it fast and that you'll want to work for him because of it. Let us pray. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. We bless and we praise thee. And we thank thee for thy loving kindness, extended to us in everlasting love before the foundation of the world. We thank thee, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto thy babes, even unto us. We gladly are thy babes. We gladly are thy little children. We praise thee. We exalt thee, O Lord of heaven and earth, for your sovereign choice to send strong delusion on men who chose lies rather than the truth. But O Lord, when the truth is told, we chose those lies as much as they. But you have had grace toward us and shown us great favor. And you appointed us to believe the truth before the world began. From the beginning, you've chosen us to salvation. We thank thee that in the fullness of time, you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to redeem us. And then during our lifetimes, you sent your Holy Spirit to regenerate us, to give us a new man, to give us spiritual faculties that we might know thee and thy word and thy son and thy truth. We thank thee, Lord, For these great blessings, we pray that you'll stir us up today, that we will hold fast apostolic tradition and apostolic doctrine and be not moved away from the truth of the gospel revealed to us by our beloved brother John. We pray, Holy Father, that you will continue to stir us up, that we would bring forth good works, that we would comfort ourselves and that we would establish ourselves by living those holy, righteous, virtuous lives for which we were saved. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our neglect of thy word. Forgive us our neglect of thee. Forgive us our love of this world. Forgive us the the sinfulness that yet lies in our members and takes us away from thee. Forgive us through Jesus Christ our Lord who has washed us from our sins, past, present, and future, in his precious blood. We pray and ask thee, O Lord, that anything we ask or desire for ourselves this day, you will also bestow upon all churches of saints scattered abroad throughout the whole world. Bless those hearers. Bless their preachers. Bless thy word by thy spirit to the strengthening of their souls to the conversion of their minds that they might earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints in these perilous times of the last days. We thank thee for our great nation. We pray for your preservation of it. From highest to lowest, we pray for our rulers. We thank thee for them. We thank thee for the liberties, the luxuries, the prosperity, the peace, the protection that we have under their care, and we pray that you would yet preserve it. We confess the sins of this wicked nation and ask thee, O Lord, to have mercy upon it for the sake of your righteous within it. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Preserve this nation, O Lord, for the sake of the righteous in it, lest they be destroyed with the wicked. We thank thee, Lord of heaven and earth, for thy precious word. We thank thee for the men that came before us. We thank thee for thy providential leading to filter out those uninspired epistles or those inspired epistles that you did not want in the word of God, that for the 66 books that we have in our King James Bibles. We thank thee for William Tyndale. We thank you for King James. We thank you for the men that translated this Bible. We thank you for its preservation we thank you that we have it in our hands, our laps. We can read it. We can trust it. O oh, Lord, convince us of its every word yes. that we would abide faithful upon those words that our souls would be fed with them and our lips and mouths filled with them that we might give the certain words of truth in answer to those that ask us. Yes. We are betting our lives in this world and our eternal life in the world to come on the precious words before us and the finished work of the living word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with us now, Heavenly Father. Come and be among us and dwell with us as you promised through your Son, by your Spirit, that we might have his power, his light, his comfort, his encouraging strength in our hearts and minds this day that we will lift up our praise, that we'll lift up the preaching, that we'll lift up hearing, and rejoice in it all before thee. For we ask these things for your honor and glory, the furtherance of the truth, the profit of our souls, and thy delight and pleasure in us. In Jesus' glorious name, amen.